This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, it's Connor Wanders. It's time to wander. We're back. Oh, in our crazy, crazy, crazy world. I'm looking forward to the days since this thing kind of started during this whole coronavirus madness. It's something we have to talk about, have to cover, and we have to give the attention it deserves. But I'm looking forward to the days where we can just ramble on about bullshit. And have a good time. So if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe, leave a review if you're into this show, five stars, Apple Podcasts, do the thing, you know, you know the things, you know what to do, you know the thing, <laughs> uh, and share it if you love it. If this is bringing some kind of levity or, or sharing some information with you that you may have not have, have known before, um, share it with some friends if you love it. It's a great way to grow the show. I'm excited to be doing this and excited to be out here with you. This is it's given me something to do during quarantine that I uh, actually really enjoy. And I think that's so important. <laughs> We're stuck in a place of boredom, but I think boredom boredom is a place. It's kind of the birthplace of creativity in my mind. And, and one thing we haven't had a ton of in our social media world is boredom. We don't get bored very often anymore. And some people are, you know, would think, I'm never bored. I don't ever get bored. I'm too, I'm too uh, busy to be bored. Well, maybe you should try to get bored sometimes. And see what comes up. Let your mind just be, not doing a thing. And get creative. Let the ideas flow. Become a conduit, a satellite for ideas with your boredom. It's a cool place to be. Just putting it out there. It's a cool place to be. But we're in a, we're in a tricky time. And I, I'm as guilty as anybody of getting sucked into social media. That's why I've... I've taken myself quarantine personally out to the woods, out to the, the luscious public lands of Colorado. Um, I just put in some hikes and put in some miles and just got away from even the option of having social media. And that's something that I, you know, for me in my mental wellness has been next level helpful because I haven't been putting in that screen time, not soaking up Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and whatever else, which is just, I mean, I, I get it. We're trying, and there's, and there's some great stuff going on there. There's some connection happening on social media, which is fine, which is, I think it's helpful for people, lots of people, because we're all on there, right? But I'm I'm scared a little bit that after the, the months of this, that we'll continue that trend. We'll have upticked our social media consumption, and that will maintain in some way. So I'm nervous about that. Be mindful about that. And and I just listened to a, a a quick short podcast by by Sam Harris. Highly recommend his show. He's very pragmatic and and his is on top of this and putting out some really good information. He was just speaking about the importance of mindfulness in in a time like this. The importance of being able to observe yourself and and the the phases that you're going through mentally and emotionally, without quick reaction, without losing yourself in your in your thought process, in your mind, in your emotions. So it's something that we can leverage, and, and I hate to even use that language because there are some, some really seriously think, serious things going on, but it, you know, 
I just have to say that there's a there's a place for resilience in this because we don't we can't change it now. It's here. It's happening. It's doing its thing. Um, so the best we can do is, is is develop some resilience. And I believe that we have, you know, Mother Nature is 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 a motherfucker in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. And and we have desensitized ourselves to the way that these things go. We've distanced ourselves from from the resilience that made us who we are. We have what we have today whether it be this podcast studio or our cars or our cell phones or whatever it is, we have what we have today. It's on the backs of resilient, resilient sons of bitches that were out there when times are really tough. And we've done some atrocious things and some atrocious things have been done to, to us. It's just, it's crazy. If you look at history and, and on this episode, we're going to dive into to three books that I recommend um, during this quarantine time that I think will be more entertaining and insightful given the the current state of everything. But, you know, I think that we've lost touch with that resilience and handling challenging shit like this. And as nature does, it, it will remind us in the only way that we know how to listen to, which is a slap in the fucking face. So keep that in mind, keep that in mind. And how can we, how can we leverage this for our own resilience and our own uh, long-term health and wellness. You know, another podcast that I recommend, um, the Joe Rogan podcast with Michael Osterholm, who has written a few books about pandemics and what we can, what we can learn, <laughs> how to handle them, how they generally progress. And it's, it's a no nonsense episode about, um, about what's going on. And it was done on March 10th. So it's, it's been a while, but it's aged incredibly well. And fuck man, it's just, it's, it's interesting. So with that being said, We'll jump into today's first segment, the state of things, state of things. All right, all right, all right. So a couple things have come up, have transpired since the last episode. New York has now become the epicenter for the virus in the United States. Almost half the cases in the U.S. are in New York State, which probably shouldn't come as a surprise. And, and really quick, I want to I want to give some love to Governor Andrew Cuomo. That guy has been—it's such a stark contrast to see President Trump doing his thing, giving his press conference, and then—and this is on whatever news outlet they're playing both of these things. Um, his conferences daily, and then you have President Cuomo, or excuse me, Governor Cuomo doing his thing every every day. And the stark contrast between how those men uh, articulate themselves, represent themselves, deliver information is pretty intense. And I want to say that I'm, I'm really impressed with the way he's handling himself, the way he's sharing information, the way he's his pragmatism, and even things like discussing how the mental health impacts of this will be something we'll have to deal with in the future and how we need to consider things like that. Like the stuff I've just been so, I just want to give so much love to him for the way he's, he's really conducting himself. This is, it's been, it's been so nice to see it. And it's, it's refreshing to be honest with you. It's refreshing to see someone in a position of power approaching this thing with some, with some, with some candid and genuine takes and thoughts. And of course, he has a staff that's doing a lot of this with him and for him. But 
it's nice to see leadership like that. So shouts to shouts to Governor Cuomo and the way he's handling himself. And one thing that that he said and that is is been is been in rotation here is the fact that this thing is really just getting started. You know, right now the number of cases uh, we have well, are in the U.S. forty one thousand five hundred ninety six. That's as of a few minutes ago. So I'm sure that's gone up in around five hundred and four deaths. So, you know, you look at this and you think, okay, that number forty one thousand is a big number, but 500 deaths over the last few months, not a, not a huge number, but this, these things tend to escalate exponentially. So when it goes from 500 to a thousand to 2000 to 6,000, that's how these things progress, generally speaking. And that's what we talk about, uh, flattening, flattening the curve. But what people need to understand about flattening the curve is that doesn't change the number of cases. It changes the overwhelm within our healthcare system. So we're in for this, man. This thing has just begun. And one thing that's come to light, looking at Italy and and what's happened in, in countries that are more similar to ours, is that most hospitalizations are men under 50. Men under 50 make up the majority of hospitalizations, which is initially we had this narrative that this is only affecting older people or people with underlying health issues. And that just seems not to be the case. And one thing that we also haven't considered, a lot of us, is that we don't know what the long-term implications of this virus are. If you end up, you know, maybe you're, say you're a 45-year-old man who gets this, ends up hospitalized on a respirator, and then you recover, what are the long-term effects to your lungs? What are the, what's the likelihood of this coming back? We just don't know. So keep your distance out there. I know this is it's going to get more and more frustrating. Don't riot. Leverage this for some kind of growth. Fuck, man. Some kind. Um, so, yeah. Damn. The state of things. It's interesting world. And there's there's so much information out there. And so much of it is bullshit. And that's why I really like this Joe Rogan podcast with with Michael Osterholm. Because he, he does bring up some of the common th- thoughts about, well, maybe hot air. Right? Getting in a sauna for 20, 30 minutes at 180 degrees will knock this thing out. Not the case. Not the case. Pretty simple science there. Just not the case. How beneficial is it to actually wear a mask or to, <laughs> to wash your hands? Like these things are all really important that get put around a lot or not touching your face. It all just seemed like they're, 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 shooting, they're shooting a freight train with a BB gun. It just doesn't do anything. Really. It's a good idea to wash your hands. It's good idea not to touch your face, but it's not go- the 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 way this thing is transmitted is through air, through breathing, and you're not going to not breathe. Um, so fuck, interesting, interesting stuff, and that's kind of where I'm at with this. I t- as hard as I is to find something that brings some levity to the situation, <laughs> I'm doing my best here. But goddamn, I think on next episode we'll bring in some conspiracy theories and just go down the rabbit hole with those. But then again, I, th- I think about what. Is that am I, am I just fear mongering at that point? Because I look at these things and I think they're comical and look checking out Infowars and going down the rabbit hole with them and seeing what's going on and playing those videos. But I think there may be a percentage of people out there that take those seriously. I mean, there obviously are. They have a lot of view, viewership. Um, but fuck it. Maybe we'll do it anyways. Yeah, fuck it. We'll do it anyways. I'm excited for it. Now, that's the state of things. Let's get into... The top three, my top three book recommendations for quarantine. All right. So 
I picked these out. These aren't necessarily my three favorite books ever, but these are books that I think will 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 hit. They'll slap a little bit based on the current climate that we're existing in. So, and I'll be, I'll link I'll link all of these Amazon links to all of these books in the um in the show notes of this podcast. So check it out there. Easy to find. Just a little click and a bam and a boom and you got it. So, um. These are the books we're gonna do series, TV shows, series next time, and then uh, maybe just go audio audio only. Maybe we'll get some audio books in there that are audio only, Audible exclusives. Shouts to uh, Audible if they want to uh, throw a sponsorship my way, cut that check. I'd be really excited about that. So, book number three, number three, Forty Eight Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Now, this book is really really fun audible or, or if you want to read the paper copy old school, like an, like a G um, it's broken down into 48 different short stories of how power has been leveraged and created through history, which I think it is the reason I think it hits well now is because it'll show um, how shit used to be <laughs> in lots of different time frames and how things have been uh, created. And, and it's, it's this really interesting and very dynamic look back at the last 3,000 years. And he brings to light um, one law, right? A law of power that comes from these stories. So it looks at um, <laughs> power in their unvarnished essence, synthesizing the philosophies of Machiavelli, Sun Tzu, Karl von Clausewitz, and other infamous strategists. The 48 Laws of Power will fascinate any listener interested in gaining, observing, or defending against ultimate control. And that's a little snippet from the uh, from the description on Audible, but super rad book. Robert Greene has a great writing style, and I think you know one thing looking at, looking at these these books that I chose is something that's that's intellectually stimulating. It's going to keep you whether you're listening to it while you're doing your things around the house, or if you're just reading because you want to use your mind for something besides panic. 48 Laws of Power is a great, great read. Highly recommended. Now, moving on, we got number two here, Island by Aldous Huxley. Now, this is Aldous Huxley's final novel, and I'm just going to read directly uh, from the description because it does a good job. So, Aldous Huxley transports us to a remote Pacific island of Paula, where an ideal society has flourished for 120 years. Inevitably, this island of bias, of, excuse me, inevitably this island of bliss attracts the envy uh, and enmity of the surrounding world. A conspiracy is underway to take over Paula. The events are set in motion when an agent of conspirators, a newspaper man named Ferenby, is shipwrecked there. What Ferenby doesn't expect is how his time with the people of Paula will revolutionize all of his values and, to his amazement, give him hope. Hope, people. Hope is out there. Now, this is one of those uh, standard kind of utopian, dystopian contrast novels. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun read. Really interesting. And the mind of Aldous Huxley, fueled by psychedelics, created a really dynamic outlook on the world. And this stuff, if you're looking at it now, if you're looking at it now and, and, and thinking, what if this thing went worst case scenario and everything just fell apart? This could be something that happens 120 years down the road. We'll have uh, we'll help, we'll split this thing up, and we'll have certain societies doing different things, and then inner inner tribal battle from neighboring societies. Who fucking knows?
close, but it's a really, really cool read. Highly recommend it. Um, and yeah, Aldous Huxley, man, what a trip. I enjoyed that novel and it, it's, you know, it's fiction. These last two books are fiction kind of, um, <laughs> they may turn out to be nonfiction in the coming years, but super fun read again, link is in the show notes. So check that out as well. And then number one, my favorite for this environment, the road by Cormac McCarthy. Now this book was gifted to me when I owned my gym. Um, one of my clients said, I think you'll like this book. She hands it to me. It was kind of a beat up paperback. I still have it actually. No, I don't have it anymore. I just sent it to my dad. So um, it's en route to the federal prison system to be read by my dad, which is really interesting to see how that goes. <laughs> I hope he digs it. But I, I sent it to him for several reasons. Uh, one, just because it's a beautiful, Cormac McCarthy is one of the most prolific authors. And if you haven't heard of him, his the way he sets a scene and tells a story is is beautiful. And actually after writing this, the, the rundown for this show, I, I went ahead and, and purchased one of his other books as well. So I'll be, uh, I'll be, maybe I'll be reviewing that on the podcast, but this book is, is kind of in a really ambiguous post-apocalyptic United States. And, um, essentially the, the country is covered in ash. Uh, there's cannibalism, there's so much darkness, there's suicide, um, just because people wanted to get out. And it's it's a dark novel, but I fuck it. I'm just gonna read this, read read the description. A father and his son walk alone through burned America. Nothing move in the, moves in the ravaged landscape save the ashes and the wind. It is a cold it is cold enough to crack stones, and when the snow falls, it is gray. The sky is dark. Their destination is the coast, although they don't know what, if anything, awaits them there. They have nothing, just a pistol to defend themselves against the lawless bands that stalk the road. The clothes they are wearing and a cart full of scavenged food and each other is all they have. The road is a profoundly moving story of a journey. It boldly imagines a future in which no hope remains, but in which the father and his son each of the other's world entire are sustained by love. Awesome in the total of its vision, it is an unflinching meditation on the worst and the best we are capable of. Ultimate destructiveness, desperate tenacity, and the tenderness that keeps two people alive in the face of total devastation. Whew. I just got the chills reading that. And this book, every to the to the last fucking line of this book, is incredible. I mean, shit, I probably should have done the whole podcast just on the road by Cormac McCarthy, because it's it's it draws such a stark contrast between the duality of humanity. We think that that you know human race is one thing. But at the end of the day, our experiences, our needs, our desperation bring out incredibly dualistic traits in all of us. And those are often at odds with each other. And in the road, that's articulated in such a way that it, it brings out 
a level of compassion and emotion in the reader that that does something incredibly special that not many stories can do. And I have developed such a, such an incredible passion for good stories, and that's why I love talking about about books and shows that elicit an emotional response. And this one, seeing the world we have now, even like me wandering around public lands in Colorado that we everyone has access to, and the beauty of all of it and the expansiveness of all of it, knowing that by our own by our own greed, desperation, we could ruin all of it. And then what do we have? And in this in this book, all they have is each other. And whew, it is an it is an amazing, amazing read. One of the best books I've written read, read in my entire my entire life. And with what we're going through now, whew, super super pertinent. Just interesting. And it also can look at how dark things can then be, can become. Although it is fiction. Uh, it resonates as if it's a true story because stories of desperation are, are something that we, we resonate with at a deep level. And there's something really, really special about that. So those are my top three books for the apocalypse. Um, definitely check them out. Links are all in the show notes, as I've said. And if you love this, the show, you're into this show, the, this new show, the Connor Wander show. Um, make sure to head over, have a head over to Apple Podcasts, uh, drop a five star review, share it with some friends if you love it, and make sure to check out these books. As I said, links are all in the description. Nice little short one today. We'll get into next episode. We've got the top series that you can dive into if you want to Netflix and chill, or HBO and chill, or streaming service and hang out at any point. Love you guys. Be safe out there. Love each other and uh, stay inside, please. Bye-bye.